Now, it's a climb to the top. Stories of transformation with Chuck Garcia. Chuck Garcia has climbed some of the world's highest peaks. Chuck Garcia. He's an executive coach. He's a professor at Columbia, LIU. He climbs mountains. He does it all. Chuck Garcia. Yesterday, I was clever and wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise and want to change myself. I'm Chuck Garcia. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. Every Sunday, we feature individuals from all walks of life who have overcome adversity, career challenges, and life's unexpected obstacles. With each guest, we discuss their tale of transformation that helped them to climb their personal mountains of happiness and success. Stories from A Climb to the Top inspire, motivate, and help ignite your transformation so that you may help others to ignite theirs. Keep listening to Talk Radio 77 WABC or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and review this podcast and tell us what you think and leave a five-star review. And now, Chuck Garcia. Every day you make progress. Every step may be fruitful. Yet there will stretch out before you an ever-lengthening, ever-ascending, ever-improving path. You know you will never get to the end of this journey. But this, so far from discouraging, only adds to the joy and the glory of the climb. This is a quote by the late, great Sir Winston Churchill, who wasn't talking about mountains. He was actually talking about painting. And he was using the metaphor of a blank canvas And what happens to that canvas when you apply the passion, the purpose, and the hard work and dedication you put into your life to make something of yourself? This quote by Churchill reminds me of this evening's guest. Her name is Grace Vandercruz. To introduce Grace is a challenge because she does a lot of things. She is the founder of a company called Grace Capital Advisors. She is a strategic advisor to insurance companies. She is a CPA. But the thing that really drew Grace and I together is she and I have stepped on the top of two beautiful mountains, Mount Kilimanjaro, Africa's highest peak, and Mount Elbrus, the highest peak in geographic Europe, which is in the Caucasus Mountains in Russia. We didn't climb them at the same time, but I think the experiences that we've gone through, not just the mountains physically that we've climbed, but the proverbial mountains that we've climbed, which brings us here today. Grace, it is a pleasure and an honor to welcome you to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation, and the studios of Talk Radio 77 WABC. Chuck, I'm delighted to be here. Grace, this mountaineer that you've become, I know it took years, but something else that we have in common are our South American roots. My parents came here a year before I was born. Talk us through your journey to the U.S., which ultimately led you to some other journeys. Mm -hmm. What's your background? Sure. You know, there's an African proverb I love, and it says, however far the stream flows, it never forgets its source. And when I look at my source and my background of tenacity, of hard work, of uh, opportunities and and possibilities, I think of my grandmother. 
and we were we were born in South America, as you said. We were born in Guyana, the only English-speaking country in South America. And uh, my grandmother and granddad had nine children. In addition to the nine children, they had room in their hearts to adopt five young sisters who lost their mom. Mm. So my grandmother raised 14 children. As a result, I'm one of 52 grandchildren. And although my grandmother is not here with us, her spirit is alive and well. And as we sit here tonight, I can assure you that I was the favorite. (laughs) (laughs) You know, among 52, I guess you need to know your place. Good to know where you stand. Good to know where you stand. Wow. And And did all 52 come from Guyana to the States? Some were born in the United States. Mm -hmm. Some were born in Guyana. But we all shared that common bond of being part of a, a descendancy of this great woman. Who, who instilled some great values that, uh, and her most treasured words to me actually were believe beyond your limits. Oh, that's an interesting one, Grace, because I was going to ask, what, what, what do you carry around with you? And it sounds like this is what you've just described in that quotation, a metaphor for mountains, for becoming an accountant, whatever that is. Help us through your journey. You came here as a child at what age? I came here, I was 14. Okay, so you came here in high school. Tough, in high t- school. tough transition. A very, very tough transition. And you came to where? Brooklyn, New York. Aha, we've heard of it. We love Brooklyn, New York. So here you were, a 14-year-old mm-hmm. from a nation that I suspect many Americans, I know when I've asked, where's Guyana, mm-hmm. what's the answer that you get? They think it's in Africa. All right, no, they Ghana, Guyana. I know there's always yes. some confusion, but Guyanese that I've met over the years, very proud people, and you came here then with... With family or just just your immediate family? family? So my immediate family, I'm second oldest of seven children. Mm -hmm. So we're a family of nine. Right. And we came together. Okay, so you had a support net in that you had... Absolutely. I would imagine with your grandmother, there was a base of family, love, all of that. Yes. Then you lived in Brooklyn, tough time for a 14-year-old yes. to come into high school and at any change, but particularly to come from a foreign country. I suspect, though, you were a good, good student. Yes. What subject areas, and I think this is important for, to establish for your background, what were you good at? Okay, so just to put into perspective, I came to the high school, Tilden High School, Tilden High School has the unique distinction of graduating both Al Sharpton and Larry King. Hmm. Just, just to let you know. Good trivia. Yes. On my first day of high school, I got an aptitude test. At the end of the day, the counselor came back and said, we suggest you major in one of two things, either accounting or Spanish. Both of them left me perplexed. <laughs> Wait, who knew? <laughs> I didn't take any, any, any of the um, questions were in Spanish, and I had no sense of what accounting was. Hmm. I had knowledge of some Spanish, but accounting was just uh, the unknown for me. And I was always uh, drawn to the unknown learning, and I, I have a tremendous curiosity and so I decided I would take accounting. And you became? Yes. Little did I know that taking accounting would really set me on a path because what happened was I took accounting and the classes were 
for me, as easy as breathing. Hmm. They spoke to you. <laughs> they spoke to me. And uh, I took the accountant's regents. I got a perfect score, which was quite uh, an achievement for my high school. And the head of my accounting uh, division at uh, Tilden High School was also an adjunct professor at Pace University. Mm-hmm. And that led me in a path to Pace University. Where you studied and ultimately became a CPA? Yes. And you practiced accounting. Tell us about when you got out of college, the experience. Okay. So when I got out of college, and I had, uh, just to pause a bit, I had one defining moment in college I'd like to share. Let's hear it. That could be your transformation coming, perhaps, or at least one of them. (laughs) One of them. So between my third and fourth year, I came home to my family's brownstone in Saratoga Avenue, Brooklyn, only to find our entire home was up in flames. And I mean, everything beyond Shaq, our memories, our shelter, everything we owned was up in flames. Mm. And uh, little did I know that my life was about to change even more drastically because for the next seven months, the next 228 days, the next 5,472 hours, we would spend sleeping in cots the size of yoga mats. Oh, and you, you had shelter? We were in a homeless shelter. Wow. Okay, so that, that, that day I remember for a lifetime because everything we owned a fit in a 13-gallon trash bag with room left to spare. Wow. So I finished my fourth year at Pace University mm-hmm. commuting back and forth to a homeless shelter. Mm. And that has been a defining moment in my life because I became so determined to finish my schooling. I became determined to move beyond my circumstances I knew that there was more that life had for me than that shelter, that I knew it was temporary, and I'm so pleased that I had the support of family and the love of family around me as my parents really were able to chaperone us through a very difficult and very trying time. Well, it sounds like you took that tragic event, which is an obstacle in anyone's life, but it sounds like it only strengthened your resolve. It didn't discourage you. Is, is, is that what happened? That is exactly what happened. Wow. Then your family worked through it, yes. the time it took to finally establish a home front again, but now you are in a professional career in, in spite of the fact that your family is all trying to heal, you're now in a career initiation and ascent. Exactly. So right before the time I graduated, my family bought their first home Mm. in Queens, which is where we're still there in St. Albans, Queens. That is a long way from the shelter. And that must have been a very proud moment. Oh, it was an amazing moment for us. And it must have allowed you to be able to focus on your career and, you know, your own life situation. Exactly. Then you, public accounting, walk walk us through what happened. I embarked on this wonderful career of public accounting, and I did uh, perform audits uh, in the financial servicing industry here in New York and then in Washington, Mm D.C. 
after six years of auditing, I became somewhat bored and wanted more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's when I applied to the Wharton Business School and had a fantastic, dynamic, learning two years of my life. I want to examine that just a second because to any of the listeners, many have MBAs or are contemplating it. You had someone in your program that had a different idea of how he was going to teach you. And it wasn't just going to be in Philadelphia, and it certainly wasn't going to be in the classroom. Could you explain that individual and where he decided to take you and what you did about it. Yes, and you must be describing Professor Michael Yusee. Indeed, I've never met him, but I've read about him, and we are indeed kindred spirits. So the irony of this is that I did not meet Professor Michael Yusee until after I graduated. Okay. It all began with an invitation. Mm-hmm. So in 2004, I got an invitation from... Uh, Professor Yusim inviting me to climb with him in Bhutan. And, had- and for our listeners, just in case, Bhutan is a tiny mountain kingdom in the Himalayas, sandwiched between India, China, Nepal, right in there. That is correct. So you get an invitation to climb Bhutan, and you said what? Okay, so imagine, <laughs> at the time I got the invitation, I had just been promoting promoted managing director at Swiss Re. I was the first uh, African-American woman to be granted that honor. At this large insurance company. At this large company. And so there was a tremendous amount of pressure on my career. But in 2004, 9-11 was still fresh in my mind. And I had made a decision that I would take much more meaningful vacations, that I would really explore life in a, in a much more in-depth manner. Wasn't sure where that would take, but when I got this invitation and I looked at it, I knew, I just knew that this was something I wanted to explore. Now, in spite of the fact that I had never climbed before, had never hiked up before, mm-hmm. I was not an athlete, and uh, I must have shared with you, I had a serious leg in- injury when I was uh, eight years old, and uh, my leg was almost amputated. And so here I was, uh, deciding to take a trip of a lifetime. After all of that, you're listening to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. I'm Chuck Garcia. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC, and my guest this evening is Grace Vandercruz. Grace, you went from an invitation to climb a mountain in the Himalayas, and in your mind, you're thinking back to the seven, eight-year-old little girl that almost had leg amputated, and you said what to the invitation? I said yes. All right. Walk us through that. Uh, What was it like and what were the circumstances of that climb? Okay, so the, the circumstances around the invitation were that Dr. Michael Yusim had a vision of bringing together alumni from diverse backgrounds, taking us outside of our comfort zone to really learn leadership and management skills in a very uncontrollable environment. So fast forward, 28 of us met in Bhutan to embark on climbing up 20,000 feet 
in 14 days. That would be eight days climbing up to the top and six days down. And as I started this journey, a couple of things I realized. For me, it was a test. For me, I didn't know if I could, have, I could do this. Mm-hmm. But step by step, after two very difficult first days, step by step, I felt I grew stronger. In addition, I started to bond with uh, my fellow mountaineers that I had not known during business school. Funny how that works. Funny how that works. <laughs> but I, in the process, learned so much in an environment that was also spiritual. It was rich in landscape. And we were learning so much about the only Buddhist kingdom in the world mm-hmm. and all that that entails for us. Now, I suspect, because I know your background, but our listeners don't, that was just one mountain. Were there many more after that? Obviously, there were. Talk us through your mindset, and what were you thinking about the contemplation of, hey, I can really do this? So, we got to the seventh day when we were at 17,500 feet, and then the unexpected happened. One of our more, most experienced mountaineers of the group took ill. He was medevaced out. But then we got word that he never made it. He passed away on the mountain. He passed away. What was the feeling in the camp? It was uh, the uh, shock I will never forget. It left us speechless. When I think about your background, what I didn't know is through the fire, it strengthened your resolve. Now we have another situation of which you couldn't control. Did it strengthen your resolve? It did. It did. But here I have to give credit to my fellow mountaineers Mm -hmm. who really bonded together. And we came together and said, what can we do to honor our, our fallen of uh, Mountaineer's legacy. How can we honor his legacy? And after deep soul searching, we decided that the best way to do so is to continue going. Hmm. The best way to do so is the very next year to go back on the mountain and do it in honor of his memory. And you follow the same route? Primarily. And the next year we went to Kilimanjaro. Oh, okay. Cool. And it was led by one of our mountaineers, Dr. Jerry Maida. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he is an ophthalmologist in Jacksonville, Florida. Mm-hmm. But using the same level of precision as, as he does in his surgery, he planned our path in an amazing way. And we climbed Kilimanjaro. So out of that 28 uh, group in Bhutan, 11 of us came together, wow. led by Dr. Jerry Mehta, and we climbed Kilimanjaro. And you stepped on the roof of Africa really yes. to honor the spirit yes. of your fallen mountaineer. That is wonderful, but you didn't stop there. Part of your transformation must have been the parallel of what you were doing professionally. Because if you went to Wharton, and now a year or after you graduated from Wharton, you're climbing mountains, but when you come home, you're coming home to your profession. Walk us through that. Sure. So, Chuck, whether you're standing on the foot of Mount Everest or sitting in your office, we are all climbing mountains. 
And the lessons are the same. The lesson of tenacity, the lesson of resilience still resonate. And so when I think of insurance, which is the world I, I, I work in, and working in mergers and acquisitions and helping companies through their strategy of innovation, here you embark on a strategy as you would climbing any mountain. Hmm? But be prepared. You could be disrupted at every single step. And having the ability to be agile and to readjust, understanding that climbing a mountain isn't my major misconception, it, that it was a linear path mm. to go up step by step. One step at a time, but it's not a straight line to that Little top. We both learned that. It's, it's very circular and it's filled with lots of detours. But not unlike a career, you set a goal, yes. you take a step at a time, you can't do it alone. Yes. And your story in Bhutan of your fellow mountaineers, the spirit and the generosity that came together, that happens in the corporate world too. Although not everyone thinks that way. Absolutely. I, would you agree? I agree. I agree that collaboration is the key to my success. I think it's the key to many people's success. And I think companies that learn how to collaborate, even with their competitors, can really have a, a significant strategic edge. Yeah. Well, tell us about Grace Capital. When was it founded? Why was it founded? And what do you do? Absolutely. So Grace Global Capital was founded in 2007. And I must give up uh, but my experience of, of being a mountaineer, even coming back from Kilimanjaro, the courage I learned from the mountain, it really translates to life. So as a, as a managing director at a major financial services firm, we were sold, my division was sold four times in three years. And so those were 40 finding moments that I had to think of my career as a long run. And I always wanted to service my clients without the distraction of the politics. I wanted to just solely look at my clients and just wholeheartedly give them my full support as they grow and expand their businesses. Mm -hmm. So Grace Global Capital helped companies uh, execute their strategy of growth by mergers and acquisitions and actually uh, implementing their innovation plans. Mm -hmm. Then you, I see, it sounds like there is an advisory component. Mm -hmm. There must be a tactical component because as an accountant, you bring a variety of skills. What are those skills beyond the foundations of accounting? There must be much more that you do. Sure. So the foundations of accounting uh, really translate very well into performing valuations for companies. Mm -hmm. And with valuations, there's a judgment call that you absolutely need to make. And because of my experiences through several market cycles, several crises in the financial world, and the experience of seeing how companies are bought and sold... I'm able to look at a company, evaluate, and also bring in some of the qualitative factors into the valuation process. And that valuation, for those that aren't accustomed to finance, you are putting a price tag, so to speak, or at least a number, a valuation, what this company is worth 
X million, X billion, so that somebody has a sense of what they would pay for it or what it would be sold. That's correct. And I take it like your mountaineering career, your Grace Global Capital career, you serve a variety of companies in a variety of places? Yes. So I had uh, the uh, opportunity to go to Africa and work with 35 insurance companies, I have worked, uh, when I first began my company, I worked in uh, Russia in a major financial services company that was the largest private health insurer in that country. Hmm. I'm currently working with a client in the country of Georgia. Hmm, Cool. And uh, and more importantly, I'm also working with companies here in the United States, particularly middle market insurance companies. I have to believe you bring the mountain climbing metaphors into your business. Mm-hmm. What do you communicate to a client as it relates to these mountains you're about to climb with them? Absolutely. So one of the things that I relate is, uh, number one, a detailed, disciplined, extensive planning uh, for every strategic goal Uh, There needs to be a clear set of planning, objective, milestones, framework from which to to work from. Not unlike how we approach a mountain. Not unlike how we approach a mountain. Secondly, it's uh, adaptability. Mm -hmm. uh, Because we know we're going to have some disruptions along the way. Not unlike the way we climb a mountain. And some of them are so unforeseen. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Who knew? But the key here is to readjust. And the one thing is when people talk about, you know, failures and so forth. One of the things I find in a mountain uh, expedition is that when mountaineers relate their experiences, they never use the word failure. Hmm? They always talk about the experience and then say, as a result... This is how we're going to recraft our plans. This is how what we're going to change. You know, so there's an adaptability there that's quite amazing. I I love that. Let let me let me change that just a second because it reminds me of both a business and a mountain lesson. You have been on many expeditions, and many of them you have summited. Have you been on a mountain climb where you were unable to summit and you had to turn around? Yes, the first one in Bhutan was one example of that. Because sometimes as a mountaineer, one of the things I learned, and I love your opinion on this, it's never a mistake to turn around. Because the goal isn't to get to the summit. The goal is to get home. And often, I know as mountaineers, we have to resist the impulse to think that's our goal. Mm -hmm. We have to remind ourselves why we're here Mm -hmm. and what we're ultimately looking to achieve. CEOs under this mounting pressure to advance... Sometimes you have to deliver the bad news. Does that work in your business? It does. And CEOs that understand the landscape, that understand sometimes it takes several attempts. It is a mountain. And because many times some of the strategies, particularly when it involves innovation, it's going against the status quo. Yeah, And it's going to take several attempts before you're able to get to the right formula for the for the company. Indeed. And just as with the mountain, there's no fail. Well, you, it's not true to say there's no failure. We've lost friends along the way, but we try to look at these obstacles as feedback. Absolutely. Feedback to figure out, 
Grace, just in, in the time we have left, if you had to give the up-and-coming mountaineers, career climbers, one piece of advice, what would you leave them with? Sure. When you're looking and you're standing on a mountain, I would ask you to let's focus on the next step. It's one step at a time, but most importantly, it's your next step that matters. What matters most is the next step. The next step. Plan it carefully. I go back to a lesson that we learn in, uh, in Kilimanjaro, in Tanzania, um, in Swahili, poli poli. Poli poli, I remember. Slowly, slowly, slowly. But it's yeah. not the mantras, you know, really plan your steps carefully. Slow and When steady. you start to step, make sure that you're determined to finish that step. Indeed. And Grace, you have been a wonderful guest. You have listened to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. I'm Chuck Garcia on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Grace, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for coming into the studio. You're most welcome. My pleasure. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.